Greetings, friends and family. My name is Dr. Vincent Moore. I'm the senior pastor of Messiah Full Gospel Bible Fellowship here in Los Angeles, California. As you know, God has tasked us with the assignment of uh, producing videos uh, that give uh, helpful insights into the Word of God by exposing principles behind the Word that, if understood, will help you understand what God is saying, as well as give you a clear picture of how to apply that Word to your life to bring about substantial change and power and authority in your life today. We bless God for the opportunity to be able to serve you. Um, we've been dealing with a concept from Scripture about what God is doing in the midst of any crisis, in the midst of any crisis. Whenever there is a crisis in your life, God is always trying to use that time of crisis as a way to empower you above the crisis. That is, whenever there is a crisis in your life, God will use that crisis to teach you a few little things about yourself so that power will follow what you learn about yourself, that you may be empowered during the crisis, amen, to make it through. God won't necessarily stop the crisis from happening uh, around you, but he will protect you to get you through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. God is trying to show us some things uh, that uh, get us empowered so that no matter what the crisis brings, it will not touch us in ways that it destroys us or creates loss that we can't recover from. Uh, I thank God for you today and the opportunity to be able to, uh, to serve you as we seek to be, uh, again, to empower you with this word. It is our hope uh, to try to turn uh, believers into thinkers and thinkers into believers that we might move in this generation with a power and an authority that our parents didn't have in their generation. You know, God speaks to every generation in his own language. And as the devil comes closer and closer to the end, he escalates his attack against us. You can see that in what's going on now. But as the devil is escalating his attack, so is God escalating the revelation of his word. That is the revelational knowledge of God's word is elevating as the devil elevates his attack. God will never allow the devil to attack us without giving us another level of knowledge that allows us to overcome the devil and begin to put him under our feet. Now, it's important that you know that in order to receive God's power, you have to receive the prerequisite that comes first. That is, in order to receive power from God, you've got to first receive God's image. God's image is just a word in the Bible that relates to and refers to his nature and his character. So there's a rule in the Bible and we pull it out of Genesis, the first chapter, verse 26. The Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. So God made man in his image. That was the first thing. Uh, and then he made him in his likeness. That was the second thing. And then he gave him dominion. So if you know that God is a God of order, then in order for us to get to the dominion, we first got to get to the image. The dominion relates to power. The image relates to character. So character before power. So know that in every situation, in every circumstance, right, where you are being challenged by a crisis, God is working on your character. And 
that may not make sense to you, but character brings power. So whenever God is working on who you are, he is really trying to empower you. I need you to know. Uh, well, let's do this. Go with me to uh, the book of Luke. I'm in the uh, 10th chapter of the book of Luke. I'm in verse 19. Now, if you got a good Bible, this is in red letters. If you got a good Bible, it's in red letters. And that means that Jesus is speaking. Now, in Luke 10, verse 19, Jesus says, behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, he says, by any means shall hurt you. Now, there's two words for power there. One, the first one relates to us. The second one relates to the devil. Now, to understand what Jesus is trying to stay here, we have to define the first word power. The first word power there is really the word authority or auto hentes. Auto means self. Uh, it's the word auto. It's transliteration of the Latin. It's the word auto or auto. And then there's the word hentes. Now, auto or auto means self. And just like a plane has an autopilot, when you cut it on, that means the plane flies itself. So auto here is a representation of self. The word hentes means ability. So Jesus is saying here, I am giving you, God has given me, and now I am giving you the ability to be yourself, the ability to be yourself. And if you can find yourself, not the self you made, not the self that was born into life, uh, after Adam's sin, but if you can find yourself, the one that God made, power follows your discovery. Power follows your discovery. So to discover yourself is to simultaneously discover your power. To discover yourself is to simultaneously discover your power. Now, you must understand again, right, that in uh, Psalms uh, 51 verse 5, the Bible teaches us that after Adam's sin in the garden, you and I were born into sin and shaped in iniquity. Now, what it means here is that we're born into a situation where we are apart, separated apart from the knowledge of God. That's what it means to be born into sin. We're born and separated from who the knowledge of who we are and who God is to us. And the Bible says we're shaped in iniquity. We're, 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 we're groomed to keep that misorder. We're groomed in our thinking to keep that misorder in place. So the problem here is that we don't know who we are, but it's the discovery of who we are that empowers us. Now, we've been dealing uh, in the last video with a concept that we've been trying to expose to you called glory, called glory. Glory is about the, the revealing of who God is in this life through the things that he's created, right? But for us, but for us, you and me, glory is also about the discovery and the fulfillment of our identity. Glory is about the discovery and the fulfillment of our identity. So on one hand, glory works for God. And on the other hand, glory works for us because it reveals to us our identity. Now, the word identity is a Latin word, and it means it's the word aden et aden, and it means same as same, right? So our identity is the same as the source that created us. The Bible says, and God said, let us make man, right? So God is the source for man, and our identity, who we are, is the same as he is. This is why Jesus would say, uh, to us, uh, the Bible, Paul said to us about Jesus, said, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. 
Now, to take this thought a little bit further, uh, I want to go back to, and we're really kind of reviewing here, Isaiah, I mean, Isaiah 43, verse 7. Isaiah 43, uh, verse 7. Now, in Isaiah 43, verse 7, the Bible here tells us that God is saying to us that he created us for his glory. God created us for his glory. So God made us to glorify him. Now, we need to understand a little bit more about this word glory, right? So at the heart of what the word glory means, at the heart of what the word glory means, it means to expose. It means to expose. So you and I were made to expose who and what God is to life. You and I were created to expose who and what God is to life. Glory is the revealing of God's character and nature and attributes to life through the things that God has made. God's glory in us is our potential. Now, please get this part. God's glory in us is our potential to do things we never conceived that we could do or think. In fact, in the book of Daniel, in the book of Daniel, in uh, chapter 11, verse 32, in the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says, those that do know their God shall do exploits or miracles. He says, those that do know their God shall do exploits or miracles. So God's glory in us is, 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 is really our potential, right? It is opening up for us the ability to do things that we never knew that we could possibly do. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, in the third chapter, verse 10, Ephesians, the third chapter, I'm sorry, verse 20, uh, Ephesians, the third chapter, verse 20, God says he can do exceedingly one step abundantly, two steps above all that you and I could ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, not the power in him, he says, but the power that works in us. God is trying to establish his power in us by first giving us of his character and his nature so that his power will follow. I hope you're following along with me and getting this. If you are, and this is a blessing to you, then we want you to hit that subscribe button. If you've already done that, also hit that like button that this message might begin to be shared with others. If you are truly blessed by this message, then we want you to go to our website, messiahfullgospel.com, right? www.messiahfullgospel.com. We want you to go there to our website and hit the donate button and help us to keep this program on the air and help us to disseminate this level of information and knowledge to others that together we all might be empowered. Now, getting back to this message, I need you to know that God's glory, God's glory, uh, it's our potential to be able to do things that we've never been able to do before, to do exploits, to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Uh, it all happens through this power, uh, God's glory, in us. Now, God's glory is deposited in us uh, through a seed or in the form of a seed the moment that we receive Christ in our lives. So the moment we receive Christ in our lives, there's something else that simultaneously happens, and that is we receive seed from God. We receive seed from God. Now, our assignment from God, our assignment from God is to bring that seed to fruit. Our assignment then from God is to bring that seed to fruit. So through Christ, seed has been planted in you and I. 
right? Seed has been planted in you and I, and our assignment uh, from God is to bring that seed to fruit. If you go with me to the 15th chapter of the gospel according to John, I'm in John the 15th chapter, and I am at verse 16. I'm in the gospel of John, right? There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're at John, right? And I'm in the 15th chapter, I'm at verse 16. Look what the Bible says. Jesus again is speaking because it's in red letters. The Bible says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you uh, that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. I need you to see here that God has selected you and he has appointed you for the honor of being like him. God has selected you and appointed you for the honor of being like him by ordaining us to bring seed to fruit. God has ordained us. He has selected us, chosen us for this such a thing as this, to bring seed to fruit, thereby recreating him or his image in us. Now, this is so important to God that the Bible says in that same 16th verse that whatever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, I need you to just wrap your mind around that. God said, whatever you ask for, I'll give it to you if you oh, uh, uh, adhere to this assignment and bring seed to fruit. Now, what does seed to fruit do? Look at verse 8. In verse 8 of the same 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, the Bible says, And this is my Father glorified. Now, remember, we were created uh, uh, to glorify God. We were created uh, to be God's glory. He says, And this is my Father glorified, that you bear uh, much fruit, so shall you be uh, my disciples. So Jesus is saying here that we are his disciples and we glorify God as we begin to bear much fruit. So the question then becomes, how do we produce fruit from seed? How do we produce fruit from seed? Now, the first step in looking at this starts in verse four of the same 15th chapter of the Gospel of John. Now, look what God says here. He says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I want to read that one more time. God says abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can you uh, uh, bear fruit except you abide in me. Now in this example that Jesus is using, the vine is the source for the branch. In this example that Jesus is using, the vine is the source for the branch. Now, the branch of a grapevine, if you put it into the ground, right, it will not bear fruit. It cannot bear fruit on its own because what is needed for the branch to reproduce or to produce or be productive is only found in the vine. In the same way, uh, what's necessary for us to bear fruit can only be found in God. So producing fruit then is a team effort between us and God. We need God in order to bear fruit. Now, I want to step back for a minute and just give you another look at a principle here. Okay, get this. Everything that grows has laws 
or principles that govern, regulate, and make the growth possible. Everything that grows has laws or principles that govern that growth, regulate that growth, and make that growth possible. So a thing's growth follows a specific pattern. A thing's growth follows a specific pattern that's created from a law or a principle. All right, a thing's growth follows a specific pattern that is created from a law or principle. In fact, it is violation of the law or the pattern of growth that has already been set up that causes a thing's growth to be aborted. When you don't follow the principles or the laws, because everything has a law that deals with how it is supposed to grow, violation of that law causes the cancellation of the growth, right? For instance, let's take an apple seed. Let's say, let's say here that my earpiece, right, is an apple seed, right? There are specific laws that govern its growth. You can't do just anything to make it grow. There are specific laws that govern its growth. For instance, right, the Bible says, whatever I ask in Jesus' name, right, uh, the Father would do it for me. Right. So we know that in this apple seed, if this was an apple seed. Right. Then in this seed is a tree with fruit with seed to make another tree with fruit with seed to make another tree with fruit with seed. So potentially inside this apple seed is an orchard. What we want to do is recognize that what's more valuable than the seed is the fruit that it contains. So our uh, assignment is to get the value out of the seed. Right. So how do we get the value out of an apple seed by following the laws that are specific to the seed? So if I put this seed in my hand and I say in the name of Jesus, apple tree come forth. You know what? I'll never get a tree. If I say, brother, listen, uh, the word says if two or more come together, touching and agreeing, whatever we ask for, God who is in heaven will do it for us on earth. So agree with me now in the name of Jesus tree come forth. You know what'll happen? A tree will never come out that seed. But if I dig a hole in some good ground, put the seed in the hole, cover it up and sprinkle it with a little water, I don't even have to pray over it. The principle of growth attached to the seed will cause the seed to grow. In fact, if I build the sidewalk on top of the seed, the power that's in the seed and the principle that causes it to grow will cause the destruction of the sidewalk to make room for the seed's growth. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. There's seeds inside of you. And I'm trying to tell you that God has set up a situation that if you position yourself correctly, nothing can stop the growth. And anything that has already been laid on you will have to give way to the power of the growth principle that is in the seed, that is in the seed. So let's take this a little bit deeper and continue the same thought. Now, listen to me. For the apple seed to properly grow, right, there are conditions that must be met. In order for the apple seed to properly grow, there are conditions that must be met. There must be earth and water and sunlight and etc. These conditions, when met, create an environment. These conditions, when met, create an environment that conducts the growth of the seed, right? So for the star, Right, that's in the sky, the environment that allows it to grow is space. 
for the cattle, uh, the environment that causes its growth is the dry land. For the fish, it's the water. For man, it's Eden. It's Eden. If you go with me to uh, Genesis, I'm in the second chapter of the book of Genesis. I'm at uh, verse eight. I'm in Genesis in the second chapter. I'm in verse eight. Now, the Bible says, and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Uh, God uh, planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there, the Bible says, he put the man that he formed. So the Bible shows us that God didn't actually put man on the earth, but he put Eden on the earth and then put the man in Eden. Eden was Adam's home. Eden was Adam's spiritual home. Edom was Adam's home. And the word Eden is defined uh, as a place of delightful pleasure. So Eden was Adam's home. God didn't put man on the earth. God put, it, put Eden on the earth and then put man in Eden, right? Now, Eden, again, is defined as a place of delightful pleasure. Now, I want to say this because it's important to note that scripturally, Eden isn't a place. And scripturally, Eden isn't a place. Now, I pray you follow me here now. It's not a place as much as it is an environment. Eden is not a place, but it is an environment that you can take any place you go. So Eden isn't a place. It is an environment that you can take every place that you go. Just like um, if I could give an example, you know, you can have a house, but the house will never be a home till you create an environment that is nurturing and loving in it. So you can have a house, but it's not a home unless you create the environment of a home, an environment that allows you to nurture your children, nurture your family and grow them. Right. So having a home is one thing. Creating an environment is another. It is the environment, not the home. It is the environment that is conducive to growth or it is the environment that is conducive uh, to failure. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here. Eden. Eden then uh, is best understood. Eden is best understood as the environment where the seen and the unseen come together. Eden is best understood as the environment where the unseen, where God is, and the seen, where we are, come together. It is the atmosphere that's created when heaven touches earth. Eden is what God designed to fellowship and to cultivate the man and the woman that he created. Eden is the environment or the atmosphere that God created to be in fellowship with and cultivate the man and the woman that he had created. Eden is the environment of the presence of God. Eden is the environment of the presence of God. So just as Eden was Adam's spiritual home, it is also ours. Just as Eden was Adam's spiritual home, the place where he fellowship with God and God cultivated him. So is it our home. And just like Adam, Eden was made for us and we were made for Eden.
So specifically speaking here, Eden is the place of God's presence on earth. Eden is the place of God's presence on earth. And Eden or God's presence is the first thing that God gave man. Eden or God's presence was the first thing that God gave man. So God's intent, God's intent was that we would wake up in his presence, that we would sleep in his presence, that we would walk in his presence, that we would talk in his presence, that we'd teach our kids in his presence, that we'd eat our food in his presence, that we would laugh in his presence, that we would cry in his presence, that we would tackle challenges in his presence, and so on. God wanted all our lives to be done in his presence. God wanted all of our lives to be done in his presence. So life in the presence of God is man's ideal environment. Life in the presence of God is man's ideal environment. Now, I said all that to say this, the glory of God needs the presence of God in order to be able to be manifested. Now, remember, I want you to remember with me here now, uh, what we said when we opened up here, glory is about the discovery and the fulfillment of our identity while we are exposing who we are to life, to the world, right? And uh, the glory of God is what we are trying to pull out. We do or bring out God's glory in us, understanding that the glory was given to us as seed. Our job is to bring that seed to fruit. So the glory that's in us and see needs the presence of God in our lives in order to be manifested. The presence of God is the environment that moves us from seed to fruitfulness, from being seedful to being fruitful. I want to close this by giving you another glimpse at God's presence in the um, book of Psalms, in the book of uh, Psalms in the 16th chapter in the 16th chapter of the, uh, of the book of Psalms, God speaks about his presence because uh, he always wanted us to be in his presence. In uh, Psalm 16, verse 11, the Bible says, thou will show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The presence of God is the place that we go to, to recover to renew our minds, to be re-strengthened, to regroup, uh, to be able to see afresh, to understand and control our anger. The presence of God is the ideal environment necessary to keep our balance, to keep our heads together, but it is also the place uh, where God begins to show us our power and how to work it. My brothers and sisters, I don't want you struggling anymore. You don't have to. I struggled so hard at many times in my life, but God showed me what I'm trying to teach you now. And it has made a tremendous impact and a difference in my life. It has raised me up and put me in a position of leadership. And we all are called to leadership based on the gifts that God has given us to lead through. I thank God for each and every one of you and I pray God continue to bless you. Now, I wanna stop for a minute and I just wanna say something here uh, that I believe is extremely important. First of all, I wanna lift up 
all the families, all the families of those who have been slain or hurt or maimed because of police violence, because of police violence. We know about the ones that are public, but there are also ones that nobody ever hears about or nobody ever knows. Um, we have a struggle. You know, I am an African-American and I struggle uh, with my people, but I am also a citizen of the kingdom of God, which means that all people are my brothers and my sisters, right? Listen, I want to tell you that there is no situation where God doesn't seek to empower you, and this uh, is also one of those situations. He wants to lift you up, right? Uh, that means that at some point in time, in the face of all the problems that are easy for us to see, uh, we must begin to step back a little bit, using the presence of God to begin to look through and search to find the solutions to the problems that plague us. Uh, just like God raised up Jacob uh, in the midst of the crisis that had hit Egypt, amen, so that he could make a, lie, a difference in the lives of his family and his people, God is seeking to raise up us uh, with a perspective and an understanding and a power uh, that goes along with living and operating in his will for this time and this situation. So it is um, my wish, my brothers and sisters, that you would begin to sit down and that we would begin to deliberate, right, around what it takes to be able to make a complete and effective change. We hope to be doing some um, videos uh, in the near future that help uh, you to be able to see the principle that God gave us to use to be able to change the mindsets of societies. I thank you, my brothers and sisters, those of you who are in the word, right? This Bible contains everything that we need. We must continue to use it and seek it out and to discover the valuable principles that are laid up inside of this thing to bring about the end to the oppression that God says exists through the devil so that you and I can live a life that is happy, joyous, and free. God bless your heart, saints. It's been a pleasure to serve you again.